0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, Father, and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text for this last Sunday in the church year is taken from the book of Jude. You may be seated. We'll begin with the word of prayer. Almighty God, as we await the arrival of Your Son, our lives are beset with sin and struggle, temptation and trial. And Lord, we need You to sustain us into life everlasting, for we are too weak in and of ourselves. We pray this day, O Lord, that as we hear your word here in worship, that you would give us what we need to sustain us into life everlasting. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. We are a country that is divided. I think you you could kind of look out on the landscape right now and you could say there are really two types of people, two categories people that are divided against each other in this world. You have those who are uh, pro-Christmas music before Thanksgiving, and you have those who are anti-Christmas music before Thanksgiving. So, in other words, you have those who are right, pro-Christmas uh, music before Thanksgiving, and those who are little Grinchy before Thanksgiving. Those are sort of your two categories. Now, I know there's a third category of people, and those are the people who they just don't like Christmas music at all. I know they, to me, I don't really get that. They're like Raiders fans to me. Like, I know they exist. I just don't know why. Like, I just don't uh, comprehend all of that. Nonetheless, uh, there are those among us, and I can't really figure this out either, but there are those among us who are very adamant that it is too early for Christmas music. Some of those people even live in my house and we're having discussions about these things. It's too early for Christmas music. And yet, for you, I have bad news today. You lost. (laughs) Uh, Christmas music has arrived. The Christmas season is here. If you're going to Starbucks or like Home Depot or uh, any store or watching anything on TV, the commercials are there. The music is there. Christmas music has arrived before Thanksgiving, whether you like it or not. And it's going to start to really get frustrating in about four weeks when you've had your absolute fill and you're about at the breaking point. But fear not, my friends, because you see Jesus is going to be born on Christmas Day and you will get through this. Okay? Whether you like it or not, this is the reality. Christmas music is here. So the question for you who do not like having the Christmas music already is simply this Are you going to get through it? What are you going to do? My suggestion, if you can't avoid it, jingle all the way till Christmas. That's what I say. You'll get there and it'll be great. Bring on the Christmas music. Now, what do you do, though, in the meantime when you kind of have to suffer through this? That's actually, uh, uh, in taking a very strange turn here, I think kind of what's driving uh, Jude's text today. Not whether or not you like Christmas music, but how are we to endure something we don't like and we don't want to have to go through as we await for the coming of Christ? How are we to endure in this world when things are happening to us that we don't want to have happen to us? In fact, things that are difficult and at times evil. Remember our our text from last week, and we even heard Jesus talk a little bit this way this week in Mark chapter 13, where Jesus is talking to us about the way life is going to go before he returns. He says there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, and there's going to be famines and persecutions for the church, and all kinds of struggles and trials will come upon us. We'll be tempted and attacked by the devil, the world, and our old flesh. The old three enemies are constantly coming for us, seeking to draw us into false belief, love of sin, despair. They just plain want us to give up. And kind of like Christmas music before Thanksgiving, whether you like it or not, this is what we are going to be facing in the world until Christ comes again. So we're left wondering here as the church in the meantime, What do we do? How are we to live in the midst of all of this? We have all of this unwelcome temptation and trial. Are we just supposed to sort of sit down and pout and deal with it? I mean, there are times when I'm in my my more cynical moments that I do think that's what it is. You just kind of sit down and suffer through it and and, and wait for Jesus to come back. But as we come to our reading from the book of Jude today, I, I think Jude would remind us, you know, that we are not called to cynicism in the church, but to hope. And hope is nothing but a joyful and diligent anticipation of the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jude calls us today to this joyful anticipation and this longing hope that is certain Christ is coming back and that he will make all things right. And so today he's going to guide us in how we we live in this hope and how we are to sort of conduct ourselves in this world of sin. Now if we're going to summarize uh, what Jude gives us here today, I think we could summarize it kind of like this. Jude is going to tell us that we ought to hear God's word and worship, learn God's word together, and, and care for everyone he sends our way. There you are. He copied us. No, uh, I, I think what you have here, and I, I don't want to sound too gimmicky with this, and sometimes I worry this hear, learn, care business begins to sound a little bit gimmicky uh, to us, but the reality is this, is that as we await for Christ's return, the only thing that is going to sustain us into life everlasting is the Word of God, the Word of God that we hear together in worship, the Word of God which we study and learn together in Bible study as it guides us on our path, and then finally, of course, the Word of God that we speak to one another as we care for everybody that God sends our way. And we're not just kind of making this stuff up, as I said a minute ago, to be gimmicky. This is literally the pattern that the Scriptures give to us. And I do believe that it is the way that Christ has decided to sustain us until he comes again by placing us beneath his word guiding us with his word and giving us his word to share with one another so listen to how jude describes it today he says this but you you who are waiting you who are anticipating you dear baptized saints building each other up building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the holy spirit keep yourselves in the love of god waiting for the mercy of our lord jesus christ that leads to eternal life. Beloved, he says, build each other up. In your faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, remaining in the love of God. But where does God give his love to? In his word. Preached into our ears. In the sacraments where he feeds us with his very body and blood. It's there that Christ is doing his sustaining work for us. In other words, when we gather together and worship Christ is there meeting us to sustain us in our faith. Now, I think one of the crucial things here I want you to notice in these texts from uh, Jude today is this. He says you are to build yourselves, and he says that in the plural. He's not talking to us each individually, saying something like this. Now, you go to the closet and build yourself up in the faith, and hopefully you build something strong enough, and you pray hard, and then Jesus just might take you when he comes again. That's not what he's saying. He's saying we need to gather together as one body to encourage each other and strengthen each other and sustain each other when we gather for worship, when we gather for study, and we gather to care for each other. But this gathering is crucial. And that's a really interesting thing for us to think about in our day and age. So over the past two years, if COVID has taught us anything, if COVID has forced us to do anything, I guess I should say, uh, it has forced us to reconsider and reevaluate the importance of gathering together. Not just in the church, but the whole culture is kind of asking sort of questions like this. Uh, what is the difference between getting together in a location and seeing one another online? What is the importance of gathering together? What is the danger of gathering together? And though certainly things have changed in our day and age with all the technology we have uh, versus what they had in the time of the New Testament, the scriptures are pretty adamant that it is crucial for our life of faith to be with one another, to gather together as a body of believers. We know from the past year that though there are times where separation might be necessary, it's never ultimately good. As one of the first words in the whole Bible says, it's not good for us. To be. We need to be with each other. Just think of the danger that arises the more we are apart, what starts to happen is we start to get into our own heads. The more we are apart from each other, the more we are inclined to listen to our own deceitful hearts, enter into our own internet echo chambers where we hear everything we want to hear and we hate everyone we want to hate. We begin to listen to all the world's deceitful voices and the devil loves this. The devil loves to get us alone and isolated so that he can fill our heads and our hearts with lies. So the scriptures invite us to gather together to fight against it. The book of Hebrews says it this way: that we should not neglect meeting with one another, as some are in the habit of doing. After all, you are a body; you need a body needs to be fed, nourished, cared for, taken care of, spoken to. So Christ gathers us here to hear His word and worship, to put His loving, promising words into our ears, to place His commands into our ears. And to place His body and blood on our lips in the word in in the sacrament. You have to understand that your faith cannot sustain itself on its own. Your faith cannot be sustained unless it is fed and nourished and strengthened, constantly hearing the word of promise, the word that God makes to you even today. The word that says God sent His Son into this world to save sinners, and you're one of those sinners that Jesus. You are the very person that Jesus Christ has died for, and you are the one who is forgiven. And you need to hear that, because if you do not hear that you are a forgiven sinner, your mind is going to go in one of two directions. First, you're going to believe that you are nothing but a sinner with no hope before God. You need that gospel preaching to your ears to tell you the truth, that God comes only for sinners. You qualify, and you are forgiven flip side of it is you might begin to think this, that you're no sinner at all, that you're getting everything right, and therefore you don't need forgiveness. In fact, what you need is for God to praise you and God give you the accolade. We need the word of God to come to us to humble us. We need the word of God to come and be preached into our ears to keep us honest, but also so that we know that God is gracious towards us. And this is why it's so crucial for us to be gathering to hear the word of God and worship. But I know that someone is now thinking to themselves, because I was thinking this to myself, what about those who literally can't come? Those who are homebound, Those who uh, their, their illnesses or their situations preclude them from being with us here in worship. What about them? Are they left out? No. No, it's now our responsibility to go out to them, to seek them out, to find them, to make sure that we are bringing the word of God to them. God, forgive us for not doing it. God forgive me for not doing it well this last year either. We need to be out there People are lonely. They're suffering by them. They need to know that the church loves them. Not just the church. That Christ loves them, and he has not left them nor forsaken them. We need to gather to hear the word. And then, once we hear that word, we move into this next section, which we call, we learn the word of God together. Not only does he sort of proclaim his word to us, he then gives us his word that we might study it and learn it. His word, the scriptures say, is a lamp to our feet and a guide to our path. So we as the church are to gather together around this light so that it might guide us through this world, so that we might be able to discern truth from error and be able to recognize the voice of God from the lies of everyone else around us. And again, it is crucial that we recognize that we are doing this together, that we are not isolated and on our own. And this is one I think that is really important for us to think about in the church because far too often we think about our relationship with Jesus like this. It's me and Jesus and the Bible. And Jesus is going to tell me what I need to believe about the Bible and it doesn't really matter what anybody else believes. It's just the three of us, the Bible, Jesus, and me, and we're going to be just fine. And that's not the way the scriptures speak at all. See, it's interesting to me. uh, I've been thinking a little bit about the the history of the church and the Reformation uh, lately. At the time of the Reformation, one of the big problems that we had uh, was that the church was standing up and saying, the church will tell you what the Bible said. You have a pope, and you don't get to interpret the Bible. The pope interprets the Bible, and the pope tells you what it means, so you must listen to the pope. And the reformers came along, and they said, no, the pope is not above the Bible. The Bible is above the church. And so it's the Scripture alone that gives us our doctrine for life and salvation. It's the Scriptures alone that tell us what we are to believe. And this is a wonderful recovery, and we thank God for it. The problem is for us now is that we've fallen off the other side of the horse, and we've all become our own little popes, and we've decided that we can decide what the text means for me in my life, regardless of anybody else. And Paul has, or excuse me, Jude and really the Scriptures have no time. Jesus has not intended this for you. He has intended you to be a part of a body of Christians, And you need them to help discern truth. And they need you to help them discern the same. And what's more, we all need to understand the positioning of these things is that the community of us here, we do not have any of us that's above anyone else before the word of God. Rather, the word of God resides above all of them, And we need each other to make sure that we are listening faithfully. That we're not coming up with our own new and creative and exciting interpretations, but we're simply learning what God has to say to us and guiding our lives in accordance with his will. We need each other to pull our eyes off of our own personal beliefs and fix them on God's word and his promises to us. Here's a remarkable thing that starts to happen when you do this. You gather for worship with your brothers and sisters, you gather around the word of God to learn it together with your brothers and sisters, and something starts to happen you start to recognize something about yourself and about everybody else around you. And it's it's this wonderful and somewhat terrifying realization that none of us are getting this thing right. That none of us have it figured out. But we're all struggling through this life and with the word of God and and with all the things going on, we're all struggling in one way or another. There are some of us here who are struggling because of health. Because uh, uh, the body is just kind of wasting away. Disease is recognized. them. Cancer is attacking There are others who are struggling in other ways, struggling with, with fears in this world, struggling because they're worried about their jobs. They may not have a job. They need help and support. There are those who are struggling for fears of what they see taking place in the world around them, the political situation, the anxieties in the world are creating fear and anxiety and bitterness in our lives. There are those among us, and when you start to study the Word of God, you start to realize this about yourself as well, uh, that are struggling with all kinds of sin. There's hatred and anxiety, uh, uh, anger I should say. Bitter words coming forth from our mouths. Lustful thoughts entering in our eyes, and coming uh, entering our minds through our eyes. We have those who want to take from others. Those who are not content but full of greed and driven by a desire for more and more. And we see all of these sort of sins taking place in our own lives. And it's in these moments where we're wrestling and struggling and beginning sometimes even to doubt God and his Word, that we need one another to care for each other. And we care for everybody God sends our way regardless of where they find themselves in their walk with God. Regardless of what they're struggling with. Regardless of where they are falling down. Christ has called us to care for everybody who comes to us. This wonderful word of mercy. This is what Jude says. Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. That is the, that sin that you just can't seem to get rid of. How do you combat that sin? How do you combat Doubts in the lives of your in your own life or in the life of others. How do you deal with people who are wandering away towards the fire, away from Christ? How do we handle such things? How do we care for such people? With mercy. With mercy. Mercy. We show them the mercy that God has shown us. Think about how the Lord God handles you with your doubts, with your sins, with your struggles. What does God say? I sent my son to bleed and die for all of us. You are forgiven. You are redeemed. And I am infinitely, God says, infinitely patient with you. That though you continue to wander and struggle and be tempted and and fall into those temptations, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you, says Lord. So that when people come to us in need, struggling, doubting, striving, we have the same mercy towards them. We begin to reflect the mercy that Christ has had for us in the lives of others. And I think it's an important thing for us to think about as we go into this next year. As we've said a hundred times over now, things in this world are kind of going crazy. And when things start to fall apart, very often people will turn to the church for help. But we must keep in mind that as they turn to the church, they're not turning to you and me because we got this whole thing figured out. They're turning to Christ because they need a word of mercy. They need to know that there is a God who loves them. And has given all things for them. We know that God. We know he does it for them. because We know he's done it for us. How do we know? We gather here for worship. to hear it again and again and to receive it. The blessed sacrament that he sends our way. And it's in this way then, I think, that Christ sustains us into life everlasting. He gives us his word to forgive and redeem us, to encourage us, to drive us to repentance and faith. He guides us with his word as we learn it together in Bible study so that we can navigate our way through this world. And then he gives us neighbors to care for us and so that we can care for them. By means of his word, through the work of our hands that he accomplishes. it is Christ who will carry us into life everlasting. Christ will bring you home. As Jude concludes his wonderful letter by saying, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord, the glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, and now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, what a wonderful thing it is to have a place where we can gather to hear your word, to learn your word, and to care for one another, and to know that, Lord, we will be cared by those you have cared for by those you have placed around We ask you, God, that as we face this world of sin and struggle, that you would grant us your Holy Spirit and sustain us now into life everlasting. Just in Jesus' name we pray.